Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and cinephiles around the world, thank you for tuning in to another Real Debaters production. I am Michael Petro, and this week joining me in the virtual living room that is Zoom is Heather Neal, Winnipeg costume designer extraordinaire. Uh, Heather sat down with me for a lovely afternoon of conversation about how she got into costume design, what goes in. There's not just one costume. I, I either I'm a dipshit or I just haven't been paying attention, which makes me a dipshit by default. But I found out that there's like 13 versions of a costume and pending what scene and what sequence and what timeline, they all change. So everything's made on mass. That was that was a, that was just mind blowing to me. Anyways, so we talked about her story. We talked about working in Winnipeg, the movies that she's worked on, the ones that come to mind. Uh, she did uh, Channel Zero, the sci-fi horror series. So making creepy pastas come to real life and costuming those people. There's the, the crayon people. That's her, man. Go Google images after this shit. When you hear her talking about a movie, go look at it, or a TV show for that matter. Uh, she also worked on the Pinkertons, so we got some period pieces in here. Uh, Goon, the hockey movie, Jay Baruchel, Sean William Scott. Run, star starring Sarah Paulson. Like These are the movies, that she, the parts you lose. Uh, just movie after movie after movie she threw at me, and I just nerded out. So thank you for spending time with me, Heather. You're a blast. She's so nice and sweet and endearing and funny. Uh, it's a perfect podcast guest. So that's who you're going to listen to today. Uh, for all the people who've never listened to us before, if you want to find out more, therealdebaters.ca is the way to do so. Cast bios, merch stand. You can listen to the podcast. You can find out where to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're so inclined and you like what you hear, you can donate to the podcast and we'll take that money. And we'll throw it back into production costs. I'm buying a house. That's not what you're donating to. I have a day job. Um, but if you want to see us, maybe your donation is going to go to some video production gear. Who knows? We we just want to make the show better for you. So that just know that's where your donation goes. And you get a little something for it. Plus, it's max five bucks. If you give me more than that, we'll probably have to have a conversation about why, why you're so crazy. But uh, anyway, so that's the website, therealdebaters.ca. The email address, therealdebaters at gmail.com. That's how you can get a hold of us. If you want to talk to us about coming on the show, you have an idea for the show. It's a great way to communicate this email thing. I tell you, it's, it's they're riding a wave here. It's going to be the next gen thing. Anyways, I got nothing else for you guys. It's all cue the real and you enjoy the show. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Welcome, Another episode of The Real Debaters is another Real Debaters production. Uh, we are doing a real talk, and this is a continuation of my favorite series that we've done here so far. Manitobans making movies, where we talk to anybody who partakes in the making of a film. Doesn't matter. Caliber, size, if you're on set, if you're doing something fun, we want to nerd out with you and talk to you about it. Well, I'll nerd out, and you can talk about it. Um, and this week, we have... Uh, Costume connoisseur, costume designer Heather Neal from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hello, Heather, and thank you for coming on the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And this is one that, as soon as you said yes to, I kind of did a happy dance because I was like, okay, the this department is responsible for continuity, responsible for accuracy, responsible for like it. You you are 
you are so ingrained in the visual aspect of creating a story, not just a film, but a story and getting it right. And people will, I am sure, as you've experienced it, they can jump on it pretty quick. Like there's certain departments that I think people cut slack on and then certain departments where they're like, well, hey, what's that coffee cup doing in that scene? <laughs> yeah, I mean, costume really, um, our department is, it's we just do so much within our department. You know, a lot of people don't even realize um, some of the things that we have to think about. So it's a lot. That is why you're here today so that we can kind of pull the curtain back. I'm Oz, you're Dorothy. Let's see. Well, actually, that doesn't make sense. Um, but we'll pull the curtain back on, on your department and people can learn exactly what goes on. So I like to start at the beginning cause it's the easiest point in anybody's story. Um, so how did you find yourself? falling into the costuming department was it something that you went after because you had a passion for it outside of film or the way i've learned with other department heads and, and people in different worlds of film is that they started in one and they ended up in another so what was your story well i didn't um start off in film thinking like my career was more um i fell into it later like i started off really basically loving clothing and fashion and so when I was growing up I, I you know my parents were always um, they were working professional people but they were always really creative so they were always doing um, my dad was an artist so he would do a lot of painting and drawing and carving and my mom was also really into sewing and quilting and so I was just always around these creative things and and through school I, I fell into sewing and I loved it and I had this uh, amazing teacher when I was in junior high my dad was in the military so I was living in BC and our sewing class which is you know a bunch of 13 14 year old kids you know she really turned our class into something more exciting and she took us on a field trip to the Vancouver Fashion Week and she introduced us to you know more than just construction and it became like almost an obsession for of mine through school was to learn more about sewing and fashion and, and that sort of um, fueled my love of clothing, but it, it hadn't really occurred to me that costume design was even a career possibility. I mean, I just didn't know anyone working in movies and, you know, I, it was in the eighties. It just, it just didn't seem possible, right? Like I didn't, yeah. it was a career that, you know, I couldn't even dream of because I just didn't think it was an option. So I sort of went along um, my education route um, really through wanting to be a designer. And um, after high school, I was accepted into a fashion school in Ontario. And I was just about to leave and go there. And I changed my mind last minute to move with my parents because my father had a posting overseas. So I chose to go with them to Cyprus. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I lived in Nicosia for a year. And when I was there, it was just sort of like an eye-opening experience and meeting all kinds of different people from around the world. Um, he was working um, for the UN at that time. And it was just so exciting. Like I was introduced to all kinds of new things. And I got a job at um, the UN Family Library. So. <laughs> So I was really into books. Sent at, at a library for the UN. Yeah, well, it was like really small. And then um, <laughs> I, I got to be a um, 
a fit model with this weird Cypriot modeling agency. So I actually um, fell into meeting some designers while I was there and, and learning part of their process. So it always was interesting to me. And then after that posting, my dad, um, he had his one final one before his uh, retirement posting and it was to Winnipeg. So he was only going to be here for a little while and I was going to come just for a short time so I could save money so I could uh, move back to BC. Yeah. My friends were. Wasn't BC, isn't that short for bring cash? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so while, I mean, while I was here, I didn't, I didn't really plan on staying very long except I met my husband and that sort of changed everything. And he's the reason how I got into film. Okay. Um, yeah, so he was, uh, his name is Brent Neal, okay. and he, he was at that time doing a lot of uh, independent acting films, and he did a lot of Guy Madden films, so he'd done... Shout out to Guy Madden. Yeah, so he's, so really, when we were together, I think it was 1991, and I was pregnant with my daughter, Okay. like really pregnant, and uh, he brought me to the film set. He was working on Careful at the time. And I hadn't really, I didn't know anything about the film industry. And, and he brought me to set. And I can remember, like, it was just this wild, magical yeah. environment. I, 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 my mind was blown. And he brought me, I think he was having a costume fitting. And he brought me to meet the designer, Donna Soki. And I remember she was so kind. And she was so, she, you know, showed me her uh, workroom. And sort of, it was just like, I, it was, I couldn't believe it. Like, I was, you know, just so um, excited by that world. I, I you, you know, know I've, I've been privileged enough to come to a, like due to the day job. I've, I've, I've had a couple set visits, and I can totally understand what you're saying. The first time, it's just this busy hive of madness, and then all of a sudden, everything just halts for thirty seconds, and then it goes back to the same tempo, and you're just like, "What's going on here?" Yeah, like I had no idea. So, I mean, after that visit, um, it just sort of, it stayed in my mind, but I didn't think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a costume designer. I just never, it never came back to my mind because I didn't think it was possible. And I still wanted a career in um, fashion. So I went to uh, the U of W and at that time they had a, a clothing and textiles degree program through the Faculty of Human Ecology. And this was an amazing program. I mean, uh, it was a four-year degree program. I've, I've learned so much there about uh, fashion history and textile science, um, fabric performance. We did fashion illustration. We learned all kinds of uh, pattern drafting and construction techniques. Like, it was literally um, at that moment in Manitoba, they were still producing a lot of clothing in the city. You know, um, so um, after I graduated, I did get a job at a manufacturing company, and uh, I was an assistant to the designer, and we did um, children's outerwear. Okay. And I realized probably like suits and whatnot. Yeah, that's yeah. Really. <laughs> Walking around stuff oh. like, like Christmas story, just can't move kind of thing. Yeah, but it was such such a strange. Like I found when I got there that. You know, I had done all of this education to work in this business, and I realized, you know, not long after that it was 
awful. Like I, my boss was, you know, I very, uh, un, how do you say it? Unprofessional? Not unprofessional, but she really like, really wanted to crush my soul. Oh, she's a bitch. Yeah. I'll say you don't have to. Yeah. Thank you. And so uh, it just, it, it turned me off the whole industry. And I, and it just, I, after that, I thought, okay, that's it. And one day at work, I just, you know, I worked there for some time and I just realized one day, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. And I packed up my office and I never, ever went back. Awesome. And I, never, and I, and I don't remember worried, being worried about it. I just thought, you know, this just isn't for me. Yeah. And I'll figure something out. And, um, my husband, oddly enough, and I, his, you know, the timing wasn't exactly perfect, but at some point after I'd quit, my husband was working on um, an independent film with his friend, Jeff Salillo, who was the art director um, for Careful, for Guy Madden's film. And he was doing his own, you know, low budget movie. Yep. And I had the opportunity to costume design it and I had no idea what that involved like really I mean I had that one visit with Donna years ago but I didn't really know what the job was but you know Brent said you know come on we'll, we'll have fun we you know I'll I'll do this with you and we can uh, shop together and you can help me create my character and it was once I got started you know diving into this script it was sort of 1970s Winnipeg <laughs> gangsters and you know really cool characters and like hockey like it was just so weird kind of but fun and it was a lot of local actors and a lot of um people I work with in film actually worked on that film project as their first that's awesome of. you guys all got yeah. to jump in jump in the stick get, get, just get wet figure it out yeah, totally and that's what I did I mean I didn't know anything but I sort of instinctively you know, I had the script and I, I used it as my guide. And, and I, you know, as I started to um, sew costumes and fit characters and actors, it just sort of, it lit this fire. Like, it's sort of that moment when, you know, oh, my God, I, I love doing this so much. Like, it's so creative and fun. And when you can, like, um, start from nothing and make these really interesting people come to life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just knew. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm going down this road. I can only imagine going from the the factory mentality to the play. Do whatever the hell you want. Figure it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what like, it was. On top of not only being a creative person, but now finally, like finding where you want to use your creativity is, I think, and I can only speak for myself, but like, it's a battle to figure out where you can really maximize it. So it's like you got really lucky going, I hate this. Things will be fine. I'll figure shit out. And then <laughs> movies. And then it's like, that's it. Like, nope, you're not. That's a great situation to be in with knowing what you're good at and then knowing where you want to do that, that, that specific thing. And also it's a strange how, you know, all, as I go through my career, all of these courses I took in, university you know how really they practically applied to so many things and and so it was it was nice to be able to <laughs> nice to say that that expensive piece of paper paid off yeah you know because <laughs> kind of, well and like university classrooms i mean unless you're 
like my wife is a hairstylist so she gets to be as creative as possible all the time if people allow it and you know you're taught one thing but then when you get to kind of have that base and then create off of it that's even better right like it all just lines up in a perfect row and you know you're not questioning your choices and whatnot but it is i mean but you do sort of question you know is this a sustainable option for me and my family you know so um after that film i did have an opportunity to do another independent film and this one was a little bit bigger it was a little more structured it still was non-union but it was um it was a really a weird little amazing project this was the um jeff erbach film the nature Pimpolis. and this is where i met doug morrow Uh doug morrow we love doug morrow oh my god and he he was doing zombie makeups on these characters and it it was so much fun and and we were um pina robinson was the hair the key hair on that film and i remember um we were all working out of rush's old tour bus and they had uh, oh wow converted this tour bus into so we didn't have a truck or anything i had no idea what that was but uh in the very back of the tour bus i guess where the guys would sleep was where i would have my few uh racks of clothes and i'd have like a little iron and you know my little station and then a little yeah. but in the middle of the bus i think Doug was in the middle of the bus doing the makeup and uh, they had a chair and Pina would do the hair. And then at the very front of the bus where the driver would sit was our first AD, <laughs> Louise O'Brien Moran. So on this bus and we'd travel around like the countryside and, you know, make this crazy movie. But it was just uh, the next step. And I think during that film, um, I still didn't really know exactly the you know proper way to design a film I was still learning and and learning from um people around me but I I just I don't know it was like a I still felt like okay I I love this still even though it was really hard and someone said to me I can't remember who but they said you should try getting into the union and I didn't know what that meant like I really didn't understand that they actually make real bigger movies and <laughs> there's a and, place that where's yeah. where is this magical place that all of the big then, ones come from yeah and then they introduced me to someone that was working on um i think it was a movie called poor superman at the time poor superman i think so i, I that was another film that but but they brought me to that set to look yeah. at their costume truck and I was like, what, what is a costume truck? And, and <laughs> Cause you're like, I was on Russia's tour bus. I thought <laughs> that was pretty cool. Like I didn't know that there was actually trucks devoted entirely to the costume department. You know, oh, where man, they, that must've been like kid and candy store for you. I know. And I was just like, Oh my God. And there's washing machine on the truck. Like I, there, I was just like, okay, I, I'm in, I got to figure out how to how to get into this washing machine i love how that was oh my god i have a washing machine see these are things like we 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 layman's over here heather like me i don't even i never even assumed that you had access to a washing machine but how do you clean clothes after a day of shooting you know freaking washing machine yeah the costume i mean so now on some of these films the costume trucks that we work on are huge they've you know they've got uh 
a back room that you can use as a dressing room. They've got uh, microwaves and fridges and, you know, like tons of space for clothes and washing machines and sinks. And it's, you know, it's our, it's our mobile office. But at that time, I was just, I was working out of my car or whatever and Russia's tour bus. So this was huge. I, 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 I would have been like, Nick, can you just give me Russia's tour bus? That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Oh my God. That's, that's such a crazy way. And Louise O'Brien, that's, is that Manitoba film Louise? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's the shit. I love her. Isn't she great? Oh God. She's so great. Uh, I, I went down through the day job just to kind of get involved in the, in the film industry in Winnipeg too. And she was my first contact and she's just a, I, she's such a lovely woman and has like put up with a ton of questions from me. Cause so I was like, I want to, I want to be better at what we do in the responsible day job part of Michael's life. So I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. So it, I, I went down to the office and, and talked to her a ton of times, but she's, she's fun. Yeah. I guess that, yeah, she, she was from film. I, I just know her from Manitoba film. So, but uh, the name, the name struck me. So you've, you've been around doing work in the city for a while. If you were working with these, like when you were all coming up together, you're part of, you're part of the old guard. Yeah, I think so. I don't mean it anyway by your age. I just mean through the evolution of Winnipeg film because that was probably not when there was a lot of work in Winnipeg. Like when stuff would come through, it would be a big deal. Or am I wrong on that? No, you're absolutely right. Um, and when I was starting off, um, film training Manitoba really helped me sort of get in the door. And um, I started off at the um, in the truck costuming position. Really, I was training in that position and shadowing on films and there weren't that many happening so it might have been one at a time um yeah there's not many and it was just sort of like a a real eye for me just because of the sheer size of the production like even though they were still small they were big to me yeah and, and um i learned so much really quickly and i and i tried to work I, I love that position so much. And I remember the first time I did that position by myself on a film, it was uh, called Jane Doe. It was a CBC movie. Okay. And I was a truck costumer and the set supervisor who, you know, we're part of the team that takes care of the actors when they're shooting. Um, she told me, she said, you know, as a truck costumer, she goes, you shouldn't really step out of the truck unless I need you. So just stay hidden, more or less, which I thought was weird. But, you know, yeah. okay, right. I don't know. <laughs> sure. So I, you know, really like I was organizing the truck and I was ironing and I was always on top of things and making sure the actors clothes were in their rooms when they were coming back. And and then it wasn't until several shows later that someone said, why are you always in the truck? You know, you, you could come out. <laughs> <laughs> and you can come to set so for even now even as a designer and running a whole department i'm there's still part of me that says you know what you shouldn't be on set you know if, oh, you, no, you, if you don't if you don't look busy 100 percent of the time then then you know the producers will notice and you'll get in trouble and i just i remember always thinking oh that's such a horrible I wish that never happened. <laughs> I'm kidding. How much like you missed out because of that real bad note that somebody gave you. Yeah. Which wasn't the case at all. I, you know, 
everybody's like why is she hiding in the back of the truck and then finally they find out because some really rude person once told me that i should know my place yeah it's really but anyway but you learn to part of it is dealing with um different people and different types of people and different management skills and styles so it's sort of like okay i'm not going to manage my department that way or you know and the bully that i worked with in apparel manufacturing really taught me that you know managing is so important you know you want to um really empower the people around you and and your team is only as strong as each other right so well you you bring up a really good point there and i've i've learned that within making a film big or small low budget big budget it takes a village of every department and every department gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the movie gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So on an independent, in, indep- independent, I don't know why I change words sometimes, um, independent film or low budget film, you might only have one or two of you in your department. And on, you know, well, just for example, an MCU, Captain America, you could have 200 people in your department. But at the same time, it is a team effort. And I know you wanted to, to bring that up. So what is the team environment in the costume department what's the not the hierarchy so much but like how does it because my fr- brad crawford uh, do you know brad i think so probably know the name yeah he's he's yeah. brad crawford and bj Vero i've known for a while and and brad went over the department positions for the camera operator and i was like oh there's more than one of you <laughs> so how many of you are in your department and what's the what's the comings and goings like yeah well for a costume designer really you're you're responsible for dressing every character on the screen right and it's a collaborative effort and you're working with the director and the dop and the production designer we're all working collaboratively to come up with this um visual story that we're telling in the film and so depending on the nature of the project and they're always different um you're going to need different crew so like you said when i started out independent it was me and one person maybe but as these shows go i mean uh you can do a contemporary hallmark movie that you know nothing happens too much and you only need a few people you know yeah a costume assistant and you know your set team your truck costumer and your set supervisor and you know that would probably do but as you go through and um through my career, I mean, working on so many different types of movies, you know, if it's a horror movie and we're doing a lot of special effects, you're going to need uh, breakdown artists, cutters, and uh, skilled people that can, you know, create garments just from a drawing or a sketch. You know, you need people that can really organize and budget and keep you on track and contact actors. I mean, there's just so many people involved and everyone is so skilled and talented in their own way that as a manager when I'm crewing you know it's important for me to um to work with people that I trust and I am inspired by you know a lot of times my um breakdown artist will create things that I couldn't even imagine because she's got the skills to manipulate the fabric and dye it and distress it and age it and turn it into something that is uh, amazing you know in channel zero we did a lot of 
um, crazy breakdown and, and really unusual fabric manipulation. So I think having a crew that, you know, we all work as a team and it's long hours, like you say, and every day you're really trying to um, do the best you can in usually a short amount of time with uh, minimal budgets, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's really important, a good team. I'm, you, you brought up one of the ones I wanted to talk about and, uh, channel zero is a, is a Manitoba staple. I think not only in the film community, but just in the entertainment, like in the horror industry, like sci-fi picked it up just before it got canceled and it started to really have momentum. And there is, there is so much going on. And I love that it was first inspired. Like when you worked on it, did you, were you aware that it's kind of inspired by like Reddit and internet stories and how it spawned from like, internet folklore and then jumped onto the script as a actual full-length tv show where you did you know about that yeah i absolutely knew about that okay and i would imagine you'd have to because that's the where the where it started somebody wrote it and posted it in a reddit feed so what was it like working on something that my question and i'll get to it is when someone makes a story very few people know about it they write a script and then there's 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 lots of people involved in 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 the pre-production process but it's only those people that know about it did you feel a real big responsibility when it came to thousands of people reading a feed and then having to create that in a costume so that people got what they read like you're basically adapting a story more than you're creating a world does that make sense yeah, it does. And I, I don't think I thought of, um, I think if I thought of it that way, I probably would have been really nervous. Totally. Imagine. <laughs> but when I, uh, when I talked to the director, this was before, it was in the hiring process, and um, I got a call from Nick and Tosca, who was the creator, the showrunner, the genius behind yes. Channel Zero. Um, he briefly, you know, told me about the project and then he said you know I, I would like you to talk to the director and so um I was talking to uh Craig William McNeil the director of Candle Cove and he was telling me more about you know his thoughts about it and and we got into like um who was writing it and he was telling me that you know Mark Frost was involved in the writing and and that led to a whole like my whole love of Twin Peaks and David Lynch and I just like you know when I met my husband our very first date movie was Blue Velvet and oh you know, dear lord I want you know, to know but but what and my you know Twin Peaks we watched it religiously and and we named our daughter after Audrey Horn like it's just like really wow yeah, we were like fanatic about that show and then and then and he was how do you feel about pie <laughs> well, I know there's a lot of weird things Love cherry pie. pie and coffee cherry oh, pie and coffee oh yeah i've got a coffee mug and everything whatever but um it was just sort of that that connection and that sort of goal to create something that could could be in my mind maybe as iconic as that show or just something so special with such special creative people involved that i i was just I was over the moon when, you know, we talked, I think we talked for like an hour, just chatting about like, not even 
about this show anymore. We were just talking about our mutual interests in film and ideas. And, and I think that kept going through the shoot, you know, we would just have fun creating weirdness. Oh, you succeeded so well. I have to, I have to go right for the jugular here and talk about the tooth costume. Well, that specifically, that is um, not me. That is a special effects. Okay. That's yeah. nice to confirm. Okay. Yeah, because that is, um, it's not, uh, it's a makeup. It's a makeup? It's like a special effects makeup effect. Like they built that whole thing with latex. And wow. so that, so that's sort of not really my area of expertise. Nope, that's fine. Yeah, but we work very closely with the special effects team. So um, for that particular build, it was entirely uh, latex. I don't, you know, they probably have some specific fancier term for that type of build. But our team would look after the actor and dress the actor okay. in the costume. So we didn't create that one, but we did um, the jawbone looks. And I don't know if you remember... Um, I think one of the craziest scenes and act costumes was um, we had this actor from France named Olivier de Zagazan, and he's a clay artist. Okay. And basically he um, takes clay and he pours okay. it over his head looking, and his body. I'm looking and at an image like, of it right now. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So part of this, uh, crazy costume that we had to create for him is he ultimately was going to put hay into his head and set himself on fire right that was oh. the scene and so and we had to figure out how to adapt the puppet pirate costume into this demonic version <laughs> and then which he would ultimately set himself on fire so i mean just the testing the playing around and the breakdown on that costume that that was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm going after images of it right now because that, oh my, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was so creepy because of the, the way the children and uh, it just, it, it stayed with me. It was that, that pirate face. Yeah. I'm looking at the costume right here now. Okay. Oh. Yeah. And that, and that one, we, we did, uh, full leather capes. I remember me and my assistant Paula would go to um, Bill Warb. He's a leather furrier here. Okay. And we would choose, you know, all the skins that we thought would uh, make a nice quilted sort of cape look. And we had originally wanted to do some sort of seal skin accents to it, but then that didn't fly with the setting on fire. Might have been a problem <laughs> just having more of that. But um is this yeah. the I'm looking at right here with Yes, that's him. Yeah. Talking about Okay, great. I figured let's just share the screen so we can see what we're both looking at here. But this stuff is like this is so creepy. This is this is like ancient 1700s weird witch critters creepy kind of thing to me. I uh, you did so good. You did so yeah. good. And if you find the original little pirate that we're going from, I think he's on the far left of your screen the okay, right over here. Yeah, he had a little cape and everything. So he, we just did like the demonic version, which was a lot of fun. Oh. And very, very messy. <laughs> yeah. So but, uh, you, you brought up that there's a lot of talk with the writer and the director. I imagine that 
you're you're in every step of the process along the way because as the character develops so does the style of the character and obviously you know you're 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 changing like to have the same outfit on somebody throughout the entire movie is a little redundant right so it 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 would change with every portion of it or am i wrong and that you kind of develop it from the get-go and then you guys kind of watch back and just make alterations as you go like how is what's the what's the process there like well generally when um we get our scripts um we break them down so we have a computer software program um it's called sync on set that we use quite a bit and we're able to take the pdf of our script and drop it into this program and we can easily um calculate how many changes, how many script days, you know, exactly what's required for the actor. And this program sort of, it, it covers every aspect of what we do. We're able to um, budget from the program. We're able to schedule. We can pump in our actor's measurements and our shoppers when they're buying can look at their phone and pull up everything. And it's just a really a great tool. So in determining the, the looks and what the actor goes through, um, our scheduling, we can figure this all out and, and we can figure out how many, um, say, who's going to need a stunt double, um, a photo double. Oh my God. Yeah. I just realized. And, you and how many different double. stages of uh, destruction the costume will go through. So you have, you know, so many different things to think about in terms of, um, you know, getting the costume. We're finding the right number of multiples that you'll need to successfully be safe so so the 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 idea is to have multiples throughout the story instead of taking one or two of the same and changing them like what you're you're making as many up front as possible so you're like front loading i guess the production and then as it goes you can be like all right pull out this one for this sequence or this scene at this stage of this story would that is that kind of what you guys do yeah so at the beginning um say we we determine that we need uh, 10 of a particular look oh wow and so maybe that's uh one for the photo double and maybe the stunt performer needs three and maybe the actor needs five or whatever it is we have to figure it figure it out because there's so much work that involved in getting it to a particular stage so if there's um fighting or blood or you know whatever happens fire or explosions underwater or whatever we have to figure out you know exactly what that costume looks like at that time and for channel zero we were shooting and this is not normal but we were shooting six episodes simultaneously Oh, not chronologically, yeah, we were shooting sort of block shooting it by location. So um, normally on a TV series, you're working two episodes usually at the same time. On this one, we were doing six all at once. So, That's a lot of different parts of your brain. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. So it's a really, it's a lot of, you know, you have to know what, the pristine look will be and you'll have to know what it will look like at the end of the oh my god like mm -hmm. first of all to create a thing from nothing like and I, I should mention just for for context like my mother i didn't tell my mom i was doing this but my mother is nuts for sewing and quilting and stitch work and whatnot oh, wow. 
she's got like three sewing machines so like get her number (laughs) yeah i'll put you two together she would she would shoot your ear off like she goes i I buy her fabric and backing and stuff whenever i'm in the states when well when we could travel and stuff like she's she's a nut for this stuff so i'm just gonna be like i did a thing with a costume designer you should listen to this because this is right up your alley so i'm looking forward to that but i've been around sewing my entire life but i'm i've been around like she'll make a quilt or she'll make a bag or something like very cool rudimentary stuff that isn't that doesn't have to come in 10 different timelines so i'm just now trying to imagine what i have very little information on and then go okay now it like you have to create at different multitudes my god how does your brain work woman yeah, well a lot of the um when you're reading about a character and what they go through is what is required of the costume you know what you know what is the action involved and how are you going to be able to pull that off um the one of the really tricky years and years ago i did a film called um oh shoot i can't remember what it was on your page yeah it was with josh duhamel thank you oh break down uh um how come i can't remember that strings Oh, strings. Strings. oh, yes. Strings. Sorry. Yeah, that was the football one, right? Yeah, it was a dance movie. Okay. And there was, was one dance movie. I yeah, the, oh, the, the choreographer was Britney Spears choreographer. And it was a story about this, you know, was that, is, was that Josh was that, Lucas oh, was Wade Robson, the choreographer? Uh, no, his name was uh, Brian. He's really famous. He's going okay. to forget his name. Anyway. But anyway, there's this big dance number at the end of okay. the, the movie, and it was sort of this crazy thing. And they wanted the actors, they were, or the dancers were all in these matching track jackets. And he wanted to attach um, these actors by cables to a truck, okay. a pickup truck. And so they would, you know, show up on stage, there would be this pickup truck. And then all of a sudden the truck would drive away and the track suits would rip off and reveal their dance costumes. And <laughs> oh my God. It was so technical. And, <laughs> and my poor cutter was trying, like they worked night and day trying to like, and I didn't make it easy. Like I chose a, a, a track suit that had like a bit of different detail on it. So this, seeming was a little off and and it was just like you know getting this um timing right and you know because you think you know well if we don't uh, you know if this doesn't work we could maybe kill or ruin one of these dancers forever like you're gonna yank them in the wrong direction i mean there's so many different you never know what kind of challenge you're going to like i i I can under like i'm just thinking like because i'm i'm a nerd Right. I'm but I love when like I'm a big fan of the costume award and all the award shows because you're so integral in creating the tactile visual aesthetic that makes the show the show. Right. Like everybody says without a good story, you have nothing. But no, you need the other. You need everybody else with their ducks in a row, too. And I'm it's I'm just I'm I'm starting to nerd out now as you keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many, like, that's the problem with um, 
I, I never know what my challenge challenges are in advance because I don't know what projects are coming. So um, you just have to to be able to figure it out. You know, you have to be able to come up with the the look and make it work within the world. And then, you know, when they throw these things at you, you have to figure it out. You know, when they want to explode someone underwater, <laughs> you got to figure it out. Um, and there's, and I don't know, for some, whatever reason, I always end up on shows where we do really hard things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a testament to how good you are, though. It might be that hard, but that's because my you're team, good. My team is good. But yeah. Sorry, you're all, you're, you, who, your collective minds are the shit. That's the definition. Yeah, yeah. And, and trying to do it, you know, uh, under budget, on time, never hold up camera. Like, there's a, a, a lot of, a lot of crazy, crazy things. I think. Probably the biggest challenge I had for that whole Channel Zero show was um, we did um, in the dream do door, the final one, we did the crayon killers. The little I hadn't, I, I'm, I stopped, oh, I started Butcher Block. If you look up uh, the final film, the, the dream door maybe punching crayons dream door something you might see yeah yeah um i don't know if you'll see them oh yep keep going down there's you can see the top that Over little here. Guy, wax yep he's on yeah that guy whoa oh whoa how did you do this this was insane so uh nick and the director of that episode they were really inspired by this uh, 1979 horror film called The Brood. And um, in The Brood, there's this image they loved of these uh, creepy little kids, and they all had these um, identical kind of track suits on, and okay. they were all bloody, and they were really like creepy little kids. And so in this part of the script, they wanted to create these uh, killers that, you know, it's all sort of... Um, based on the lead actress's childhood memories. So um, these crayons, I guess, were part of her childhood memory, but they come back as these like creepy killers. And so we were having all kinds of conversations with the special effects makeup people, you know, and, and they sort of came up with the look of the face that was wax. And then when it came to the body, um, they're like, there's no way you can do this in makeup. Like it's just, there's no way and so we kept thinking well there's got to be a way to do it in fabric we have to be able to figure this out so um i came up with the the design for the look and i had my illustrator justin waterman do some uh, sketches and illustrations and then we did um with the production design team we figured out the colors that these crayons were going to be and Meg McMillan is really the mastermind behind this look. That she's a costume designer in her own right, but a fantastic breakdown artist. And so, with dyeing the fabric, she was able to dye the fabrics exactly the colors of the crayons we wanted to match yeah. the special effects um, makeup. And our cutter would sew the, the tracksuits together, and then Meg would work these crazy wax techniques into this um overall 
costume and honest to god like they were like creepy but very like so like it was honestly the strangest costume and the most um it took so much work to make them and so many people to look after them and get these people dressed and we had to have heat gun huh. because if it was a little cold they would stiffen up so sure. yeah <laughs> like i mean you, from what we i can see in this image like it's folded over like a cloak almost so yeah. like wow image where you can see them all please oh my god oh my god i would this is this is the kind of thing that i was oh it just it looks outer world it doesn't look like it came from and that's what it's supposed to look like other world outer world yeah but it you know but it was involved a lot of testing and and i i can remember um we had to so like sort of straps harnesses onto the pants of the outfits to to keep them from falling down and i remember my i was having a fitting with um one of the actors in that show he played the the doctor the psychiatrist and he came in as we were sewing like the pant leg and it was like it looked like a giant wax candle and he's like what are you doing and uh and i'm like oh yeah you know we're just sewing straps <laughs> don't mind us <laughs> as you do yeah but there's like that show was so fun to work on so many things like well you're not stuck with a lot of parameters because you're like this is a weird story that somebody invented at three in the morning high out of their mind probably and <laughs> so you you've got a great launching point but you've got no reference there's nothing else like it so it's like what do we want to make it but let's say where we transition to something like the Pinkertons, which is the <laughs> Canadian drama uh, about it, it was, I've seen episodes, but I'm not well-versed in the story as you can't watch everything, but uh, is it about Canadian sheriffs or sheriffs in general? They were the Pinkerton detective agency. They were oh. Americans and we were supposed to be set in Kansas. Okay, perfect. All right. So Prairie Dog Trail was a big part of the setback drop. That show, oh my God, Michael, there was the, I didn't realize when I signed on that um, we were going to have such a tight budget. Oh my God. Well, you, your team and you stretched it thoroughly because it's. Oh, it was, oh my gosh. We had, I had only four people. In like, my team and a trainee oh so three to do uh it was myself my seamstress the truck and the set supervisor and then we had a trainee that helped with um all kinds of different things but it was honestly i i found out about the project i was in arizona my husband and i have a place down there and it, i was sort of i think in the right place at the right time because um, I had a little bit of time to research the period and, and find out how much these types of costumes would cost. And after calling everyone in Canada and all the contacts I had, they said there's, it's, it's too expensive. It, you know, there's just, they couldn't figure out a way for me to rent it in Canada and stay on budget. So I found a reproduction stores in Arizona that sold like um, 
I guess they do a lot of reenacting okay. in America. Um, so they they would make, you know, versions of old timey clothes. So <laughs> I managed to, to buy because um, we needed to do a lot of multiples, and a lot of people would get shot, and you know, so I needed to get um, a stock of multiples. So I contacted them, and and they were able to send me things when I needed. But the biggest thing for me on that show is is I ended up finding um, a costume rental company in LA that would make a deal with me and give me a break. And my husband and I flew to Los Angeles and we went to this costume rental company called United American. And it was founded by a costume designer that did Westerns in the 50s. Oh, wow. And this place, we went there and it was honestly like, unbelievable it was they had a whole building that was just you know seventy thousand square feet of just you know and um there she showed me all through their period like it was everything you needed for a western and they they would rent to you know whatever big western you can think of being filmed they probably had something to do with her yeah Django and like everything so um she said to me she said well you guys you and your husband go and pull some racks together from you know you can look at everything except for this very expensive room we weren't allowed to go to because we were too <laughs> low budget but she said you know choose what you what you think the character should look like what you hope for and and so we spent two days pulling together um the show and at this time I didn't have um all the actors in place I don't even know if I had the measurement so it was really it was just sort of while I was there and had a chance um she really helped me and she you know she said I'll help you um because I you know I don't think you're going to be able to pull this off any other way (laughs) yeah yeah and she gave us a, a really great deal and and um stuff was amazing and now the the problem was when we started shooting the pilot episode the very first episode the director he wanted you know he wanted so many civil war soldiers you know he said we've got to have you know it's got to look like you know we can't sell it if we don't have a lot of uniforms and he came up with a number that was like a lot and then um I kept asking him, like, are you sure, sure, like, you know, this is a very big expense, and, you know, it's going to, you know, are we going to need these soldiers throughout the whole show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are we killing these soldiers at all? You know, like, I just, like, it was a lot, and and then, so, uh, sure enough, we barely saw any soldiers on camera. Um, (laughs) Most of my budget went to those uniforms, and then, so, for the rest of the 21 episodes, I had to just shuffle the deck and I had a small wow. amount of costumes and I just had to mix them all up. So if you ever do watch the show, like yeah. you'll realize that everyone's just wearing everyone else's clothes all the time. Sure. Well, I mean, and like, as if you, if you catch something like that, obviously bound by budget, bound by constraints, whatever, but it's a, it's a really fun show. It's like, I, I like, I like cheesy Canadian drama like murdoch mystery so when i stumbled when i stumbled across this i was like oh this has that that same charming feel 
but a different story altogether. And I remember seeing another Western and hearing about Pinkertons, and I, I just, yeah, I didn't really know much. But the uh, the lead actor, he's from uh, Braveheart, is he yeah. not? He played Willie. He played uh, Robert the Bruce, if I'm not mistaken. He did. He was. Um, it was so. I was so lucky because he actually gave me. He had done a period film in Halifax. Okay. Prior to the Pinkerton. So he said, he goes, because he knew the that we didn't have a lot of money, but he said, well, if you contact, you know, this guy, I think he's got the stored wardrobe still, and he might have my old costume from whatever show he was working on. Yeah, Angus, Angus McFadden. Yeah, and sure enough, the producers, you know, he pulled it out and allowed me to rent his old costume and we you know oh, added awesome. to it of course but it really helped save save the budget a little bit well and i mean the with everybody wants to see it shine that's the point like that's the end game so to quote one of the best movies ever made um, <laughs> but you want it to look as accurate as awesome as as charming as pretty as whatever it is so everybody wants to help nobody wants to see this thing fail because all of everyone's names attached to it so it's really awesome when i when you hear stories about how everybody's willing to help everybody else out because they know what's at stake it's it's the next gig right yeah and and working on a film like or a show like that it was it was really really busy and hard and fast you know it was just uh you often didn't have time to think too much about something because you just didn't have time. You just had to do it, make decisions quickly. And, and um, yeah, so definitely, definitely learn to work fast. Well, it looks great. So nobody would, would know the difference unless they listen to you tell us that it is the same X amount of costumes. So well freaking done, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you, what's the what's your creative process like like when when you because you've mentioned sketching and you've mentioned mock-ups and, and the breakdowns and stuff like do you when you get a script and let's say i mean we can we can look at any of the ones that you've done but when you any of them when you get it are you going to the internet first are you sketching stuff out are you pulling from a, a certain like what, what what's your toolbox for how you get going on a character depends on the script right so i worked on a film uh called the ice road ah liam neeson yeah and the funny part about that film is um a few years prior um i was working on a film called ice and it was a very similar um subject you know ice road truckers and um a little bit different action but it was sort of like similar so i had already had done a lot of um, images uh, searching and watching the show and you know about the ice road truckers and sort of getting into that world but when I got this script I mean that one fell apart I think because we got a really really warm spring and all the ice melted so yeah cool. yeah wow. well, that was yeah. not it was bad for you guys yeah that was going to be with Alec Baldwin so that was really yeah, but it didn't end up happening. Um, but I still loved the idea and the characters that I was sort of coming up with for that one. And then, um, okay, so for so for Ice Road, for example, like this is this is stuff 
that people are wearing now. We're out of the period piece. We're more into actual people. And and they were filming this one for Winnipeg, like Winnipeg for Winnipeg. Yeah. Right. That's what it is. It's based on Winnipeg is the backdrop. Am I not? Am I wrong? You're correct. Okay. So we actually get to be a place in a movie for once. That's really, I fucking love that. So a big part of the research on, on this one was me and my assistant Paula, we would go for lunch at the truck stop. <laughs> of course. Yes. We'd get to know our favorite waitress and she would tell us, you know, Oh, I would ask questions like, why is that guy so dirty? Like what? Like, Oh, he's a diesel mechanic. And you know, or, and I'm like, and who's that guy? Oh, he comes in, you know, at five o'clock every day. And or, you're like, she just had all of this information. And she said, well, you know, you should check out, you know, that truck, place over there and and so we would then like i think i can't remember the name of it um but there's this trucking company they sell it's like a dealership for semi trucks oh like uh, okay uh we're talking um maxim truck and trailer yeah something yeah yeah okay dodge volvo okay i know what you're talking about yeah yeah they would sell peterbilt or whatever the whatever the place so uh, we went there and, you know, we talked to the girl at the desk and we said, you know, do you think it would be okay? And we said, we're, you know, we're costume designers and we're just, you know, is it okay if we just like walk around and look at your mechanic? <laughs> and it was a little weird, right? But she said, well, let me call my boss and I'll ask him, right? So she like, what the hell? So then um, we talked to the manager and we explained, you know, we're working on this film and we just want to see, we want to see what the inside of these trucks looks like. We want to see what the mechanics wear. We want to see what they have in, like, what we want to know as much as we yeah. can. Are you willing to show, show us? And yeah. Can we look at your people? Yeah, and so, and they were, yeah, we got to climb in the trucks and, you know, oh, there's tons of room here and we can, you know, we could figure out like, oh, there's a closet. It was just, it was sort of that part of the process was really fun. And then we had to figure out, um, you know, there were so many multiples involved and we had, um, we did a lot of research into um, clothing companies here in Winnipeg that could help us. And we knew uh, Richelieu. So we went to their factory and yep. we got to um, go into their showroom and meet with them. And, and we worked out an arrangement that they would help us with product placement for the show. And so it was a lot of going to different um, local. I wanted, I wanted to really showcase what Winnipeg produces, right? So I obviously want to use Winnipeg companies. That's and- so great. That's so great. That's like, that's, you, you can be like, you can do your job, but like when you want, like that's that's why I like talking to you guys. I'm like, I could go, I could bang on doors, I'm sure, in Toronto, Vancouver, but I'm like, I want the people in my fucking backyard. Oh yeah, and the best example of this was um, when I worked with Tyson Karen. He's a director in Winnipeg, and we were yeah. doing a, a, a film called Lovesick, and that was with Jessica Pere, Jay Baruchel, Jacob Tierney. So, but we, again, it was very very low budget and. Tyson, it was so fun to work with him because he had ideas of how he wanted the characters to look. And, and it was all, you know, his ideas all looked very expensive to me. Like, <laughs> great ideas, but they were very expensive. And so I wanted to take him again. And his film was set as Winnipeg for Winnipeg. And I wanted to really showcase again Winnipeg 
products. And I went around and I met so many great um, manufacturers of, you know, accessories and jewelry and like, and I tried to throw it all in and they were all eager to help. And, um, you know, that was a really, that was a fun one where we were able to find local artists and use their stuff. That's great. Cause you know, when you get to a point, kind of send the elevator back down and be like, you can get up here too. And then like find local, local, local designers, local jewelers, local everybody that you can be like, I, this is a Manitoba made costume from Manitoba, not just inspired by, but like those, that bangle, those earrings, that jacket, this is all things that were provided locally, sustainably. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's, um, it's makes it original and interesting and, yeah. I gotta I gotta go back to uh uh Ice Road for a second because I, I I heard about that movie and I also heard some pretty funny stories um about someone getting confused who Liam Neeson was in an airport. It was a very, very charming story. But what is it like you got to work with Morpheus from <laughs> Matrix, okay? And I fucking love Lawrence Fishburne. He Oh, oh. so like just regale me with like a couple anecdotes of what these two gentlemen are like because one has got a very special a special set of skills that we all love right no matter what happens Liam Neeson has a very special set of skills mm -hmm. and Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus so who are these guys like well it's interesting um before you know often when I get out to a project I know sometimes I'll know who the actor is but we're not allowed to contact them until their deal is complete so Makes sense. Um, Union negotiations, right? Yeah. So often, you know, we're still working on a tight timeline, but we don't, we can't reach out to them. So um, I would Google his past films and I would contact his previous costume designers. And I was told in advance that, you know, he's the best. You're going to absolutely enjoy working with him. He's professional and fantastic. And he's got long legs or, you know, whatever the fitting issues are. <laughs> so, you guys share specs on actors. That's amazing. Yeah. And so she gave me his measurements. And so we were able to to um, get everything ready. And, and his uh, stunt double was our stunt coordinator. And he's oh. worked on every Liam show. I think they've worked together for years. So I was able to try things on the stunt coordinator before I got to Liam. So Oh, yeah, like a model. Yeah, totally. So by the time um, I got to meet uh, Liam Neeson, and it was quite soon before we were shooting, but, you know, we were relaxed and prepared, and um, he came in, and he was amazing. Like, honestly, like, he would try on the clothes, and he would, you know, if he, he didn't really talk about them that much, but he kept talking about just him his experiences and he would tell me about you know oh I was in a costume fitting for I can't remember the movie and um he said it was horrible they put in a tuxedo and this design this flashy designer not a costume designer but a fashion designer had to be in on the fitting and he was like kept touching him because it was and he would just tell me all these stories or you know when I was in Brazil and and, and it was just it was sort of like you know, I would try the costumes on him and we would briefly talk about the character, but most of the fitting was him just telling us stories about his career and his life. 
And that fucking accent. That's amazing. Accent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he was great, really. Like, super nice. Very, you know, made my job very easy. Oh, yeah. I can, I can only imagine. And, like, it's, you know, we're all fans. He's a fan of somebody. You're a fan of him. I'm a fan of you, right? Like, we're all, if you're in the movies, you're, you're fanboy, fangirl, fan person. Um, so when you get to fan with somebody who is really cool after that's pretty like I got to, I got to do a thing for skip the dishes and I got to interview Kevin Smith for an hour and oh, nice. it's on our Instagram page. It's hilarious. I do this thing for like 30 seconds. I don't know what this thing is that I'm doing where I'm touching my cheeks, but I do it now since I started a podcast and I just, everybody like there's like 200 people watching me do that. <laughs> And someone made the comment of, is this um, is this what you get when you order Kevin Smith from Wish.com? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fair enough, fair enough. But I got to meet him, and he was awesome. He's exactly what I enjoy listening to when I watch him speak. So when you get to nerd out about somebody who's then just as cool as you hope they'd be instead of not being professional, then you're like, all right, this is this makes it just that much more enjoyable. Um and also when they're they're that high caliber they they have done cost a million costume fittings you know they know that we are thinking of all the things that we should be thinking of you know their their comfort their you know being warm you know everything that they're going to need and um so they trust us to do our job and so i can't recall any you know really difficult high caliber actors at all because they know that it's a collaboration and a team effort but they're also really integral to the process you know sometimes they really want to be involved early on which is great because you know they they know certain things about the character that I don't know because they're developing it in their mind and so sometimes in the beginning conversations um, when I worked on Aloft, for example, Jennifer Connolly's character, she was, she's a very, um, part of her process as an actress is she really needs to create the character from the beginning. Like, so she creates a birth date. Um, she'll follow their zodiac sign. Oh, wow. You know, like she wants to, you know, create this for herself to help in part of her process. And I don't know if she does that for every movie, but for this one, you know, it was um, integral. You know, she want, you know, wanted to imagine what her teenage bet, like just all kinds of little bits of information. And the costume she wanted, you know, every part of it to be... Um, considered so even if it's not on camera we'd still you know we would buy you know particular undergarments that that character would wear okay. even though they're not being they're not being seen uh, oh okay so she, was she knows it's you know so it was very interesting to develop to develop and work with someone that's um really taking it deep you know and that's really interesting yeah, that's a little meta. Mm -hmm. And then this, the actual um, outfit here that you're looking at, 
I remember when we were trying to come up with your character, for whatever reason, I saw a woman in, I think it was the Salvation Army on Regent or whatever. I was just buying something and there was this woman there and she had a beat up old freezer jacket on and she, you know, she had, um, she just, she just for whatever reason captured what I was thinking in my head. And I went to this woman and I said, is it okay if I take your picture because what you're wearing and I told her who I was and what I was doing and she was like oh yeah sure you know go ahead I guess like she couldn't figure out why yeah. but I was like there was just something about you know how it was aged and how it felt and looked and it was just like oh you know this was just sort of you don't know where you're going to find inspiration or whatever but that that was this outfit is inspired from that woman in uh, Salvation Army <laughs> <laughs> I yeah and and I'm just I'm looking at this I completely forgot that she they, that this had been filmed here and it's Jennifer Connelly like I just watched Requiem for a Dream last weekend <laughs> <laughs> why I don't know like you just that's a once once and done movie in my opinion but I was like I'll put it on <laughs> yeah, ever you don't feel good but she's I love her I love her in Blood Diamond I love her uh, oh what's the one she did with Ben Kingsley where they uh, mm -hmm. The, labyrinth that was a good well, labyrinth yes obviously <laughs> labyrinth what are we who are we kidding um but it's the one where they both buy the same house like she's booted out and then he buys it for like pennies on the dollar and then she tries to get it back and then he won't give it up and the two of them like she he's he's an immigrant and she's an american you ever what, what oh movie? i don't know if i saw that one um anyways back to what we were talking about here it's it's so interesting to hear how you do now, like how you how you would cast now versus because you have nobody. Nobody's wearing period pieces or on the street. Right. So you can't. But I, I think that's really neat how you'll like look at you. You're, you're taking right. Like our slogan is where real life and real life meet. Like That's our cheesy one liner. Um, but you're literally taking somebody in a Salvation Army and you're like, that's how I want to make my character because this is real life. So. Let's put this on the screen, but I guess we're walking up to somebody. You, you might run into an, a chance where they could be offended, but you know. No, I, I really, I actually do it a lot. You know, really, I, but I always ask them. I never. Sure. Ask oh them yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just so. Sometimes you can just get inspired by something, or especially I'm always fascinated by painters. You know, painters' clothing, like how how the paint drips on their shoes or, you know, things like that. I just find very Yeah. Yeah. And those are, those are the things that happen that I, you would have to think about to add that level of, of accuracy, right? Cause the painter who paints and gets paint on his shoes is going to see this character on the screen. And then you're, you're almost, it's like, I see you painter. This is, I know what you would look like. Exactly. Ultimately, our goal would be to find a painter and say, could we have your pants? And we'll <laughs> that doesn't always happen. No. Okay. So um, back to the actual like product itself, oh. the costume. Um, do you, you're making something from scratch. Does it depend on budget? How you kind of figure out? Do you want to make this like from the the bottom up, like sew it, stitch it, buy the fabric, get the pattern, do all those things, and then 
you have a finished product or do you try to buy things and manipulate things is is or is that dependent again on the story well usually usually normally we'll shop a show there'll be a, a bot show and if we have to build something it will either be for a specific reason um so either we can't find what we're looking for or we're trying to copy something that needs to be very specific referenced um it, there's a lot of different reasons for building things and sometimes it can be cost effective and sometimes it can't be it can you know be very labor intensive and um if we do it in in house with our own team that's you know preferable but if we have to go to a tailor and have something especially made it can be very expensive so okay. um, every, every time we're doing a build it, it's 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 a lot more thinking goes into the reasons why we're building it and often we need to have it done quickly so so you can build it from scratch it's it's like buying it's okay this is how i equate it you can tell me if i'm wrong but it's like going and buying carrots or buying the carrots that have been prepared to cook you get them bulk and they're easier you can you you, you can do whatever you want with them or then you buy like the prepared kind which is always more expensive because more labor went into it does that make sense yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we, we generally, we, um, we do a lot of, of building. Okay. That's, I, that's, that's even more impressive. Um, and it's the, this, this is at the front of my mind right now. And I want to get it out and find out like you've, you've done, like there's a range of things you've done. You've done period. You've, you've done horror. Um, have, have, does, does your desire lean towards ever doing something superhero sci-fi really like dune or marvel like like the, the, when you look at those costumes do you go i want to try that one day or try to get on a set and do just to be around it is that is that one of your things on your bucket list or or am i or am i off because that uh, to me like looking at hella from thor and her costume is so <laughs> amazing that i mean it, it, is it kind of like the k2 of costume design you know, I think it would be amazing to do. Um, I think really though, the, the trick with those costumes and, and a lot of this new technology coming out with uh, 3D printing, um, it's really exciting. Like the things that you can do and you can uh, have fa fabrics printed and you can have special fabrics made. And it's just, you know, what scares me about something like that is how much it would cost to do. Yeah. Um, you know, which which makes me think it probably would never happen here, but you never know. I would be totally down for it. Well, my my stepdad has a pretty impressive three D printer, so and he's got nothing to do because it's COVID. He's in the he's in the bad age bracket. So if you wanna if you, <laughs> if I want to put you two in touch, he can make you some. He's bored and wants to three D print. And your mom. And my mom. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> my mom and my stepdad can be friends with you and your husband <laughs> well once covid breaks you can meet each other yeah, oh um, my god this is gonna be great <laughs> so um what like do you get to keep any of the stuff or is that something that because you said united american is that 
is it the name of the the, the costume mm-hmm. company? Like, do, do when you make it, do, 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 do the studio or the production company get to take this stuff back, or do you get to keep it because it's your portfolio? Like, I know you get to keep images of it, but I would feel that, you know, if you were, if they're auditioning costume designers ever and they want to see stuff because they look at your work on screen, like that's your resume, essentially, mm-hmm. but. If they really want to see it and touch it, do you get to keep any of the stuff and show it off, or does most of it just go, you know, the way of the buffalo? Well, you know, it's uh, for me. I always think, okay, so if you're an artist, you're, or say, you're a, a painter, you know, you maybe you have a favorite paintbrush, and as a costume designer, and having done so many films, like I sort of think of um, the costumes as our tools, right? Like so. I have a a beautiful plaid shirt that I've used in multiple shows because it's the perfect weight. It's a great color. It's like nicely faded and worn. Like, and there's you know reasons like that that I hang on to certain things and want to keep them because I'll reuse them. And the more something's worn in and beaten up, the better it looks sometimes for per- certain character. Um, pieces that we're doing. So I like to um, really hold on to to great wardrobe. And I was lucky enough when I was working on Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, (laughs) there was a costume designer that uh, was retiring and selling her kit. So I hadn't really worked with this designer, but I, I I needed some stock. So I purchased her kit sight unseen, and I didn't realize what she had in there like it was like boxes wardrobe boxes boxes and boxes of uh just nursing uniforms and corduroy pants and winter jackets and vintage clothes and ties and belts and cufflinks and watches and like it was just like unbelievable and um I, i mean i've just been lugging this thing around like all the time so um it's 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 sort of like, um, I don't want like, you know, like my magic tickle trunk, you know, I was going to say, is it your tickle trunk? There you go. Yeah, yeah, completely. And, and I've, I've just, it's, I've just accumulated so much over the years that now I started my own little costume rental. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so I'm sharing on the same floor as, um, rag pickers and a few local fashion designers. So I've got a, a part of my collection there. And it's just nice for other designers that are working on projects, like if they're looking for a pregnancy belly or a chroma key suit or a fur coat or, you know, whatever it is, I might have it and I like to share it. <laughs> of course. And yeah. and people have helped you out. You want to help out other people, get your stuff out there, right? Make deals. Exactly. And yeah. And especially now with like retail is so scary, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I just have all this great stuff that I think, yeah. Well, you should definitely give me whatever information is about that because on the website we can put that on there so people can find out about it. Well, that would be great because, yeah, I mean, even these, like, people making, like, indie films and little short TikTok videos, whatever it is, like, you know, you can add so much value to the look of whatever you're doing, no matter what budget, like, just with some great stuff. Yeah. It's not expensive. It's very, very inexpensive, but I like to work with new filmmakers and, and help them out. 
That's awesome because I'm trying to do a photo shoot for us once we can get back together. We're trying to think of something silly for all five of us to do. So if we need costumes, I'm coming to you. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so there's a couple other films on your resume here that um, I, I want to talk about. One of them is one of my favorite comedy films, and it's actually something I'm going to do. As soon as we're done recording, I'm going to try to learn this again. Um, but you were the costume designer on Goon, and you had said that Goon was very tough to do, and and I want I want to know because I mean you're designing hockey uniforms, if I'm not mistaken, or at least finding mm -hmm. access to to how to make them on the fly because you've got a lot of guys dressed in the like you mentioned the soldiers in the Pinkertons, yeah. so I'm wondering with two hockey teams always constantly on the ice with each other, like. That's a lot of costuming. You know what? That was one of my first design, bigger design jobs. And I was really given a golden opportunity because it was so much, um, it, it just turned out so good. I thought it was so funny and it was great, but it was the hardest film I've ever done because, <coughs> excuse me, like I said, we had very, we didn't have a lot of prep time. And when they were making the film, this was sort of late August, I think I was starting. And it was weirdly coinciding with, you know, the regular hockey people and their teams. So I had no one in Winnipeg could help me get things quickly. Like, like they were too busy. Oh, so when you would go to like say like a uh, um, a jersey provider or somebody mm -hmm. you get product from to make costumes, they're making for all the other. Yeah. Oh my god, that would yeah. suck so much. So, so then I was like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? And then they kept uh, they kept trying to find a deal. They were, I can remember. I think they were trying to wait for approval on this deal that they were gonna get free jerseys from. I don't know if it was. Reebok or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Deal wasn't coming, and I thought, you know, if they don't have a deal, I don't have a plan B. So I had to start figuring out, you know, who can I call, and so it was like really, um, I called up the Kobe dealer, and I said, you know, I really, I don't think this deal that they have is going to work out, and I really need jerseys like a lot and quickly. And what what can you do for me? And they were amazing. They they helped just with the jerseys and the socks and you know to get that but for the embroidery that was another completely impossible task and i didn't have um a giant budget either and i didn't i didn't know how i was going to do it nobody nobody could pull this off and um michael douse the director he was very you know he with the character looks like the guys when they're not in character he was like yeah you can do whatever you want it's no just i'll leave it up to you but the hockey he was very specific about and and so the art department you know they came up with all of their um logos for the different leagues and everything like that but he wanted all of the jerseys to have the individual letters sewn individually on the back oh, of them wow. so i was like are you <laughs> kidding me like 
when you think about the jersey, like how many things we have to attach to it, you know, the numbers. The, and so me and my um, assistant, Paula, we were trying to come up with, with rosters of really short names, uh, you know, so that we could. <laughs> so each That's team, awesome. You know, you'd look, if you watch the movie, you'll, you'll find like, we don't have, if they have a long last name, it's because the director wanted it. But everyone like, else, glad, we were picking. Doug Glad. <laughs> we were trying to pick like even shorter, you know, like, you know, and oh my God. And so then um, I, I really like, I think my experience working in apparel manufacturing helped me because I, when I worked for that company, I was doing a lot of um, dealings with fabric suppliers in China. And, and so I really, I cold called a company in China and I emailed them exactly what I needed. And I said, are you able to do embroidery for me? And this woman, I love her. Her name is Annie. That was her, I don't know her Chinese name, but she and I, every single day, I would be three in the morning or whatever it was, I would, you know, I would make sure that she had all the embroidery done for me. The lettering, like every single thing was done in China. Like she could barely speak English. I, it was a shifty Western Union kind of money transaction. Like it was really weird. But <laughs> she came through and all of this embroidery and it was like so inexpensive and she did all the embroidery for these i mean some some we did here that we that we could um but the bulk of it like all of the letters and the numbers and and then it would come and then we would have to spend all night you know stitching it on and oh my gosh it was it was in terms of labor there was like it was a lot of work oh, that's as soon as you mentioned like why it was tough i was like why would this be tough but you're making a thing that like these guys have four or five made and then that's it but you're making four or five hockey teams right because you can't just have one or two hockey teams because then oh, there was there was two different leagues with multiple teams yeah and we'd, and we'd have to do home and wagers for each team huh. <laughs> yeah and and then like do all of the other fittings for um the movie but i can remember being in the fitting room with uh, the actor that played our goalie oh belchie yeah <laughs> have any percocets oh, and do you God. don't touch my percocets and do you have oh. fucking percocets <laughs> oh great and i just remember like um i think we were in the fitting room and we had all the stuff and then we looked at each other and we both realized we didn't know how to put on all this stuff. <laughs> so, so we had a, um, yeah, that was just with the goal. I mean, I could figure out everyone else, but there was something where we were like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, and then, and then I was like, I think I was working every single day, like so many hours and, you know, we had multiple, um, units happening you know like they, it was like i had a costume truck a hockey truck a background truck you know each one had specific requirements and yeah it was it was a lot of work but it was so fun i mean like michael douse was he's a i loved him he was great i uh i i, I love this movie like it is it's great because he really did make an attempt 
to use places in Winnipeg that he was obviously using to show that it was Massachusetts. But if you were a Winnipegger, he was like giving you a nod. Right. I really, <laughs> I dug that. Like just the Arlington bridge shots and then see Calecasis being like a staple in Winnipeg. Like he was like, we don't have, you don't have to do that. You can just shoot an interior in a restaurant, but it was like, yeah, I know we got to go over to Ray and Jerry. Right? And, yeah. It was fun. So those are those are some fun, and that and that's what you get when you get to play make believe is you you get to create all this. Um, the uh, the the people in in Goon are fantastic, and clearly, what is it like working with Stifler? I remember normally when it's your lead, right? You overshot because you you know you want to make sure you you cover. You know, if he doesn't like this idea, maybe I like this idea, and maybe yeah, yeah. we want to have options. And I remember I brought him into the fitting room and and showed him the rack of clothes, and you know, just sort of, you know, what's your thought? And he goes, Oh, yeah, no, I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> what, whatever you want, good. And I was like, Oh, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> then I then it was fine I just put him in whatever I wanted <laughs> but yeah no he was he was very very funny I love how you gave each because you if, if you said just do whatever they want to wear in their in their when they're outside of their uniforms is fine but I love how each of them was like like La Flemme is completely a douchebag as a character oh, in the totally. beginning well a lot of those guys they all wanted to be Ovechkin I remember really you know yeah, like they're like, oh, I want to be like, they. I was like, well, we, we can't have everyone can't be crazy Russian party or look like you got you know we got to figure, and it was just fun like uh, talking to them and you know like well, how do you think you should look and um, it was really fun. Jay Barishal, he he had a real like when I was talking to him initially, um, I said. You know, how do you see your character? What do you think you should wear? And he was like, "What do you, what do you, what do you mean?" And I was like, "Well, yeah. Like, what are your thoughts?" And he was like, "Oh, I thought I didn't have any thought. Like, it wasn't up to me." And I was like, "Well, you're a big part of it. Like, let's figure it out together." And and so he was really, um, he had a instantly. He was like, "Oh, I'd love to look like this guy. I, I really love you know." And he'd show me images on his phone or whatever. And, and yeah. It's so fun how they want to look like someone. Like I think that's that that you want to play along, right? Like you're you're there. Where in, instead of I don't, I don't like whatever you not not to say that what Sean William Scott says is is wrong, but when they're like, oh, okay, I get to pick. Like that that seems where like you get both people, where both of you are like, hey, I want to look like this, and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna have fun making you look like that. That seems like a really good relationship to have. Yeah, and I think, you know, different actors have different processes. You know, he was maybe thinking um, more about other aspects of his performance and not so much about the costume. Like he, maybe he just didn't want to deal with thinking about that, too. Like, that might have been just too much. Yeah. Um, yeah if you're, well, and he, writ, he wrote it, too, with Goldberg. So, I mean, if you're, if you're coming from it as a writer's perspective, and then you got to put your actor's hat on and then take it off and then look at you as a producer as well. I mean, yeah, you eventually you're like, I can just think of this one way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, every actor is different. So it's, it's fun when you can 
share filling room experience with someone that really likes to play. That's super fun. And I love when I'm doing fitting photos with actors and they kind of get in character as we're putting on looks, you know, and sometimes it, it takes a while to find the right jacket or the right, you know, yeah. thing that makes your character. But when it all comes together, it's so great. Like you just, all of a sudden, you know, the actor might try on a shoe that makes them walk a little bit different or there's something odd about the fit that makes them move a little differently that helps their character so you're always trying to find what can make them do their job better and you don't want to put an actor in something that they're uncomfortable in or you know you want no, to just help be them. <laughs> like too tight of pants or something or like a shirt that just clearly hugs too tight. Like, I mean, that's that's funny if you want to be that person. But yeah, no, you definitely wouldn't want to. That's too much power. Yeah, unless your character needs to look like that, then yeah, then that's fun too. Where where does that like I I I talked to Shelly Anthes. We me and me and Mark talked to Shelly about about casting background <laughs> casting and and responsibility with authenticity and culture and race and sex and all of the things that, um, I mean, at the end of the day, this is make believe, right? And, yeah. but it's making belief out of something that is, that inspires you from real life or fake life or whatever. But the, those things still have to have very, lots of care attended to them so that you're not representing somebody in a different light or not correctly at all or offensively for that matter. And, you know, actors are actors for a reason. They are hired to act as something. And sometimes there's not enough actors who can do a specific role or job. That said and all, when you're doing work with costuming, obviously you're taking the utmost care and that's something that's on the front burner when, when it comes to somebody of a specific sex or race or background. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is I've been working on projects with amazing new talent, right? And on The Parts You Lose, our lead actor was deaf. Yes, I heard about that. And yeah, and so I spent a ton of time working with this little guy, and I loved him so much, but I, I learned how important communication is, really, you know, and when you can't convey something um it's a, it's difficult and but we were able to communicate and I, I learned certain signs that were able to help me and and uh it was just such a an interesting process to work with him and then also on run I worked with Kira Allen who is literally in a wheelchair yeah she's a special needs actress and I learned so much um, in learning about what she requires and what's comfortable for her and, and how we can help in these situations. And I've worked with um, actors with Down syndrome and, I mean, all kinds of diverse. I think it's so amazing what's happening in film. And, you know, um, I personally would love to see more diversity in crew especially in my department i know i'm i may not appear to look it but i'm my mother's first nations 
And so I'm very strongly inspired by wanting to have more diversity within my own crew and trying oh, to. Oh, yeah, for sure. How do we how do we do that? How do we bring more people in? And, but, well, and it's it's yeah, like it, you you can't tell those stories unless you're pulling more diversity into the costuming department and in every department, essentially, like it lets to yeah. brass tacks this, the more cultural diversity and authenticity you have in storytelling, the more, more stories you'll have told from different people's cultures and backgrounds and perspectives. And so by not allowing it, you're just kneecapping yourself and, and being like, those are the only interesting stories to tell. And that's just boring. Yeah, and I worked, um, I loved working on Tales from the Hood 3, okay? Like, I loved, this was like, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Tales, the original Tales from the Hood. Okay, I, I, I haven't until recently because this is one of those, I think, underground film series that is getting a resurgence because of Tales from the Hood 3. Um, and I've only heard about it on blogs and whatnot because of its original history, right? And it's like an 80s or 90s horror, is that what it is yeah like a spike lee produced sort of like uh horror like it's a four mini movies in told like it's 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 a really good message but told through horror okay and you know like it's a lot of lot to do deal with race relations and things like that um but it was so like i had so much fun working with the directors there was two of them darren scott and rusty kundiev and they would make these horror uh, little stories and um, dealing a lot with uh, racial issues, but it was, it was really super cool to work with them. And, and um, yeah, I learned, I learned a ton and they were hilarious. I honestly did not know that this was set in the fifties, which just makes this that much more interesting. Oh no, it's uh, modern day. It's so modern day. Oh yeah, m modern day. But like with this, with like it, the. Oh wait, so he, this is modern day. This isn't a timepiece. Yeah, but these people, these people, I don't want to give any spoiler alert. Okay. But they're actually, they are not who they seem. They're nineteen. They're they lived in nineteen fifties, but they've taken over young people's body. Anyway. Oh, okay. All right. I'm I'm more interested in this than I was before. I mean, I heard about <laughs> it, but this is a. You've you've sold me, Heather. I will definitely put this on my watch list. It was just a fun and and like the the original was had this sort of like a a little bit of a cheesiness to it, and so it's sort of anyway. It was a fun fun project. What else do you find fun? Like when when you from your fan eye, not from your your position eye. What do you like watching? Do you do you more tend to period pieces with the elegance and the flair? Or do you like the fiction that you're like, well, we're making it this way because that's the way we wrote it. And this is where that goes. Like, or do you like something that's more rooted in like contemporary, more modern and doesn't really have to, what is your fan? eye go towards, you know what? I really don't, it really doesn't go towards those, uh, fancy epic costume movies you know like period movies uh, it's, I, I guess I personally I'm, I 
if I'm watching a period movie, like I really love Boogie Nights, for example, or Days uh-huh. of Confused. Like, like I like more updated period movies. Like I love the seventies. Um, I really love um, stylized work, like you know anything Wes Anderson does. Um, there's certain designers that I really love, like um, especially. Uh, Melena Cananero, she did The Shining, and she does Wes Anderson, and um, Patricia Norris, of course, I love her, because she was the costume designer for Twin Peaks, and worked with David Lynch, and she did the assassination of Jesse James, and I remember seeing her from a distance and going, oh my god, it's Patricia Norris, (laughs) and Brad Pitt, like, it was just, yeah, so I think I, I kind of, like, really love sort of playing with time periods that could be any time. Okay. That sounds weird. But Twin Peaks is an example. Um, That show, you know, it was made in the 90s, but that had 50s vibes and, you know, like film noir. Okay. The aesthetic more than, okay, I know know what you're talking about. Like it's, it's timeless, but it's dated. Yeah, or there's something where you can't, you can't really tell what time it is. And, and I, I'm thinking about that because um, the last project I did before the COVID hit, um, I was the costume designer for a Netflix series we were going to do here called Sentient. I heard about it. Yeah, it was going to be nine episode, and we were had already done a, quite a few weeks of prep, and it was so ex- like it was so exciting. But I was, you know, really researching at that time every period because i wanted to incorporate something even though the show itself was set in the near future i wanted each character to have sort of some part of their look that was a nod to another era so it was sort of playing with period in a way that is just a hint of it so sometimes i like things that are don't make sense you know that's the best part about movies. That's what that's been, it asks you to suspend disbelief. So yeah, it shouldn't make sense because it shouldn't yeah, be and I, new. Yeah, and I love watching um, European TV shows okay. like Nordic noir is like currently my favorite genre, just because it's so dark and disturbing. But you know, they I'm sort of I get bored of like just regular network television cop show clothes Mm -hmm. but if you go to finland or iceland or sweden you know they just have a different take on it all and you're like oh god that's a great way to wear a pair of boots and a winter jacket like it's i don't anyway i've just been watching oh that's that i that's why i wanted to know like what like is what you work on what you enjoy watching or are they not in the same and hopefully they never will because that would that would just be you pigeonhole yourself too much and not be able to see all the great different styles of costuming that there is out there. And you, Wes Anderson, I, I have a friend who said this, I wish I said it, it would make me smarter, but he said that, um, Wes Anderson doesn't make movies. He makes worlds. Yes. And that's another thing that's so interesting about the costume design collaboration. You know, when it, can pull it off like i think it's great yeah no i i 
I'm so much better for costuming now because after like I I talked to when we talked to Doug like Doug actually brought before the before the vid, Doug invited me and Jimmy out to his farm. And oh nice! There, if you go to our Instagram page, Doug did makeup on Jimmy. And it's like a scar he did for that Samuel L. Jackson movie that was filmed at the law courts here a couple of years ago. And Jimmy was just, we were both over the moon because I was like, wow, this is really cool. And we got to see stuff. And it was just, it, it made me look at makeups a whole different way. Made me, it made me stop looking at it as makeup and looking at it as makeups. And I'm so much better for having a conversation with Doug for that. And I am now having one with you because I didn't look at costuming even in like, I it just, my brain doesn't think like that. Cause it's, I play with a mixing board and a computer. So those are, those are my tools right now, but thank you for educating me on much more what goes into your department and, and why it's so fucking integral to making a, a film work. Oh, it's so fun. And working with Doug is amazing. I mean, Jack Layton, we did together, and he was, you know, well, we've done so many things together, but um, yeah, he's a special guy. Yeah, no, he's he's a we got we've had him on three times, two times. He's like he was like the first guy who'd be like, yeah, I'll come back, and I'm like, sweet, I'm gonna lean on you for a while on that. As as always, before I let you go, this is all about working in Manitoba, so we, I always like to kind of little, you know, put a nod to the end of why. Because Manitoba's little, I, I've said it before, it's a little Hollywood. It's becoming the place. And I mean, excluding the fact that it is such an aggressive tax credit, and I mean, that's a big draw. It, it, any industry that doesn't get taxed is a big draw. So that's not why I'm asking this. I'm asking this because there's just a certain aspect of Manitoban film professionals that make Manitoba really great to work in. What is that for you? Well, I can tell you, and it's not lost on me at all the amount of help I've had in my career from local directors producers PMs people that you know believed in me and helped me along the way and gave me the opportunities you know and sort of trusted me rather than bringing in someone from out of town that probably had a longer resume um, but I really think that when we can build our own community together we're so much stronger for it and yeah I absolutely I I wouldn't I've been asked to work in other places you know Montreal Halifax Vancouver or whatever but I have no actual desire to work there because I like working here I know I know the people I know my team I know vendors and I just, um, yeah, and I think we've got really interesting projects that come through here, and I've got to work on, you know, things like even Tales from the Loop, which was the biggest thing I've ever worked on. Was it was huge. Oh, it was an incredible experience. And, um, Didn't yeah, Brody Foster I, direct an episode? She did, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, in, it was incredible. Matt I've never was the producer on, on that. Yeah, I've never worked on a show that had such a big budget before. Like, that was that's, that's Jodie Foster, Academy Award-winning Jodie Foster in like oh, Batman, Matt Reeves. Yeah, unbelievable. 
It was, yeah, it was, it was really a, you know, one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I got hired on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that was that was like four studios. I remember that was that was just spread across all of Manitoba at different points. I loved it. I mean, I it's a shame that it got it. It's a shame that it just didn't have the following that they hoped it would have had because I knew about the coffee table book that a lot of the show was inspired by and the artist. But prior to his name eludes mm -hmm. me right now, but someone had introduced it to me and was like, "This is this would be a great show." And then they were like making it a show and. I was like, it's a slow burn. It's going to take a minute. They're really building a, a whole entire world here. And then they, just, they didn't have the eyes for it. And I mean, in the streaming world, that's the game. Yeah, it's a it's a very um, slow moving, like, yeah, you said, cerebral. Definitely. Um, well, I thank you for being so generous with your time and educating me and any of our fans who listen here this was very eye-opening and um you are such a treat to talk to so thanks for coming on the show heather well thank you for having me i had a great time that's awesome because i'm probably going to be like we should do a part two and get more of an in-depth idea from you so now that's on the record i'm holding it to you <laughs> oh, yeah. and you know what the, you should like talk to some of my team like you the, have... the, on -set, the on set people are you know amazing I am more than happy to. And if you want to pass on some information and say, hey, listen, this, I, I love guests. I love people who want to talk to us. So I will bring on whoever you think would love to talk to me. You can give them my name and number. I'm more than happy to have that conversation. Cool. Thank you very much, Michael. Anytime. Anytime. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another Real Debaters production. This has been Heather Neal, Winnipeg costume designer extraordinaire. Uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode, everybody. You can find us at therealdebaters.ca, uh, at Real Debaters online. And if you want to email the show, it's therealdebaters at gmail.com. I have nothing else for you. I have been Michael Petro, and this has been Heather Neal, and we are.